Welcome everyone to Plugged and Unplanned. It's Tony Nash, the CEO of Booktopia, back with you again. And another guest, another author, another great book. A great book because, boy, it couldn't be more relevant than where we are today. Alison Hill, the author of Work From Anywhere, The Essential Guide to Becoming a World-Class Hybrid Team. And welcome to the show, Alison. Oh, it's been it's great to connect with you, Tony. Here we are working from anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now your book was published in March. So it's now we're recording this in August. So it's been out for almost half a year. How how has it um, been received and, and hit the market? Have we been too too much in lockdown so people couldn't see it in shops? Uh, look, it's partly that, as you know, I mean, so so often it is, um, whether it's airports or, or going out into shops, but certainly the conversations we've had with, which is often with leaders uh, and, and those decision makers inside organisations who are trying to figure out how we do work at the moment, um, where they've seen the book uh, and where we've kind of been sharing the book with them and and uh, plugging online bookstores where they can, they can get access to it. They have been saying this is exactly exactly what we need um, and certainly how do we step into this conversation. It's one thing to say practically we can have everyone work from home but how do we do this now more long term uh, and in a way where people are asking for much more flexibility in amongst where lockdowns are happening or not happening but what does work actually look like and how are we shifting and changing. So, so far the conversations have been fantastic. And when now I, I have to um, let the listeners know you've been saying we so you have a co-author Darren Hill same surname related yes we're married right, okay. <laughs> we're in business together uh, we both have a psychology background uh, of which people go how does that work how do you live together work together and both have a psychology background uh, I just let people know that I'm always right and uh, and he agrees so it, it works really well <laughs> that sounds my, like my house um, well, if you if you can't build a world class hybrid team at home, I mean, where can you build it? I mean, it's basically what you're saying. It starts there, that's for sure. There's a lot of uh, tough conversations, sometimes some quiet moments, but uh, but it's yeah. Look, it's it's been um, you know for us as we've had a business for uh, the last 20 years, our team has, and we were very staunch on, we want people come together. Culture is really important in the kind of work that we do. That's what we deliver to corporates. And so for us, it was a big shift in beliefs and mindsets to actually look at, can we do culture remotely, virtually? And actually, is there a way that that supports people to have a better experience of work with a greater sense of flexibility. So for us personally, um, you know, even in our marriage, but in the way that we come at business and look at business and lead business, uh, that was a big shift and one that we really had to look at, but we could see that reflected in what executives, and I you know, wonder if, you know, something that, that you've needed to look at as well around kind of the team, what does work mean and look like and how do we support people in amongst uncertainty and in amongst the unknown. Mm. Can I ask you then, because what um, my experience at Booktopia was, uh, it's quite interesting where, um, where we are today and then when the pandemic started and everyone had to work from home. What, what I'm curious, and I'm going to ask quite a few questions about um, probably that a very, it may sound like they're Booktopia centric, but I, my no. guess is that they're very um, general questions that most people are 
uh, kind of dealing with. One of the things from our perspective is that when the pandemic hit, what was amazing for me is that within 48 hours, um, everyone at the office, not the distribution center, we had to put in um, safety protocols for them to split the teams and 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 make sure that there was testing for temperature, all the things we had to do for the, the distribution center, which was important. But working from home, people got up and running incredibly quickly. And it kind of, like if someone said to to us and, and to the wider business community, I think it's probably a good idea. You can should start seeing if you can get your people to work from home. It would have been like trying to get into a bath that was either super, super hot or super, super cold and you're tippy-toeing in and it's just like this painful process. It was one of those situations where you just had to jump in and adjust. And what was amazing, how quickly everyone went home and got working. And the outcome for us was, was this is the beauty for me, is that um, our people know that we know that they know that they can work at home. And the trust that was built quickly by being able to um, clearly see that they were actually engaged and they were they were getting stuff done was so impressive for me and I I personally couldn't believe it is that something um, that you've witnessed because if you're uh, an expert in this area in terms of because it was like jumping in so quickly that we were able to um, get there faster and and adjust I'm nodding my head uh, rapidly as you're, you're talking because I think, as you say, you describe the experience for so many. And there are many uh, people and culture professionals and HR professionals that for, for years have beat the drum on flexibility and there's been committees and processes and protocols and what how will that work? Um, and yet, in as you say, in 48 hours teams shifted and change happened significantly and we talk about people being change fatigued in workplaces and yet we saw this seismic change very very quickly and so what we know is that change can happen when the purpose is big enough when there's a big enough need and one of it obviously here in Australia it was government mandated but also there's a there's a big enough drive and purpose that that people can change so people's capacity for change we know is is there and when we talk about culture uh, and cultural change sometimes we can think this takes forever and yet we now have this experience that it can take 48 hours what I love about what you describe is people knew that sense of trust and so I almost have a question back to you is what was the investment in the culture? So I think what we've seen is what was there previously has been amplified by that, that initial experience when the pandemic hit. So if teams weren't connected, if there was already a sense of distrust, that got amplified the moment people started working from home. If there was a, a grounded, a foundation of trust in, in an office environment, the moment people worked from home, that got amplified as well. And they knew that their leaders cared about them and they did what they could. And what we found is a lot of people worked extra hours. They were working on the kitchen bench and they were all of a sudden their co-workers were from another company, <laughs> their, their partners or spouses. So all of a sudden these companies were working together, um, organizing meetings and, and, and just making it happen. Um, also, the adrenaline means and that motivation and sense of purpose means that we go through this higher 
kind of peak at that time. So, so I guess my question to you, what was the, the groundwork or the culture that then you saw that allowed that to happen? Or what was the investment in people that was there already, say for your team or for your leaders, so that when that change happened, we all bandied together and make that work? Does that, can you yeah, think I, of how that? I feel worked? like, I feel like my answer would be, would not, would not, um, be what everyone else answered. It's kind of like they all had probably had their own reasoning uh, for what worked for them. Uh, the fact that um, they felt safe, the fact the fact that they they could look on a video call and, and be all together with their colleagues. Um, they could see each other's pets and they could have uh, a, a tea break together. Lots of different things, and it was new. It was it was it was um, novel, um, but at the same time, they felt that they were productive and. That, that's how it came across for me. The one thing um, I am aware of is that because it was cold turkey, we just cut it and cut and ran, and ran if you want to use that expression. Mm. Everyone knew what to do. So it wasn't one of those situations where um, there's let's get going and let's work it out from there. So basically everyone knew what their job was and they could continue to do that, which I think is important. So the qu question begs next, when you bring on new people, which we have brought on a lot of people over the last year and a half since the pandemic hit, of which some of them uh, had not have not yet come to the office, maybe because they're um, around the country, and we wanted to bring fly them in and 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 train them up, but we haven't been able to do that as yet. And others who perhaps have come back at some points, but then um, we're back in lockdown again, so therefore they've had limited time. So just that that idea of them bringing on new people because your book sounds like um and probably the way that you coach and work with companies is is that work from anywhere means that you don't need to have been at the office you don't need to spend much time there that's how it sounds can you just give us a bit more color to that yeah look part of it is the um the opportunity maybe to start and we we saw that for ourselves but uh certainly through the book we challenged leaders to think about what are their beliefs around where work happens or where work potentially can happen so we've known that you can work flexibly a lot of people even when there was um you know an office or a headquarters they're coming back to they're traveling getting on a plane so it can work you know, flexibly that way or remotely, um, but knew that you were always kind of coming back to the office. So an opportunity to actually go, well, maybe work isn't about location. It's now about uh, connections and and an expect clarity of expectation of what needs to happen. Um, there is a lot of conversation too around a shift to hybrid work. Uh, so when restrictions are eased and people can have a choice about coming back into the office, rather than just a rubber band, okay, we'll get everyone back, uh, hybrid is really that call to how can work best happen? And if we are coming to the office, how do we make sure that we're getting the most out of that rather than having people sit in corners or cubicles and do email where they might be able to be much more productive out on a commute, um, having a greater kind of flexibility in terms of their own energy and when they work and how they deliver on that. So we, what we could see is this kind of trend on shifting beliefs for leaders and for teams about where work happens, which is really that call to 
we can work from anywhere. Totally understand that there are certain roles where that's not the case. And you mentioned before about distribution. One of our clients is uh, a manufacturing client. And so work needs to happen in a particular location um, in a particular way. And even in amongst that, there is a greater call for flexibility. What does flexibility look like in manufacturing? What does flexibility look like in hospitality? Um, and, and so that, that opportunity to kind of beg and ask that question. And so through the book, we, I guess we, we almost follow the, um, you know, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. So this is almost a bit of a call to, call to arms, uh, an opportunity into what we see as being the future of work is to, to challenge and question. And we've been, COVID has provi provided this catalyst event for us to, to ask that question in a much more broader scale than we've ever asked before. Flexibility has always been in workplaces, but now we're doing that across the board across divisions and across levels in a way that we've never done that before. Um, and so being able to kind of mix that up. But work is not just about, it is about performance and tasks. So trust happens when work gets delivered. When people do the job, then our level of trust in them and them delivering uh, goes up. One of the biggest fears of leaders or their belief that this isn't working is that my people are going to be you know, we're talking here in August, they're going to be watching the Olympics and not doing work. <laughs> they're going to be, you know, you know, going down to the beach and doing something else. But that only happens if the work's not being delivered. If, and so the trust disappears or gets reduced if the work's not being delivered. So we need to talk about performance, but we also need to talk about culture. And you touched on before about maybe hiring or recruiting people uh, virtually. We, they may not be coming into the office, they physically may not even be meeting anyone in their team for an extended period of time. And so it becomes really important to be conscious around, well, what does culture look like? And how do we share and how do we amplify and how do we keep front of mind the things that we care about and how we feel like we have a strong sense of connection or belonging? Because if we don't have that, we'll end up with a whole lot of contractors, people who deliver the work but don't necessarily belong to a brand or to a team or really have a connection to the people around them. Mm, and so, that's what I've been, I've definitely been considering all those things. One of the, one of the uh, worries for me is that um, in the long term, um, and every, every job and every company and every industry is different, but in, in the long term, if it was an office situation where you could work at home or work, work at the office, if you're working at home, you're you're outside of the range of listening in on, on your on your I'll call them elders, but more experienced people who who that knowledge rubs off just by being around those people. And if if you're if you're slowly being more and more isolated, um, and you're not you're not hearing that, I've, I feel like it can stunt your career to a degree because uh, you you're not able to um, you're not in that situation where you can where you can really learn. What, what, how do you feel about that? Look, I think um, what you've beautifully articulated is not only a fear or concern, but but one of the the advantages or one of the positive things about being in a co-working space, um, and that might be an office. It might be a cafe. It might be those opportunities when we do get together, um, and so 
what happens when we start to, and again, working from anywhere or going down that kind of hybrid model is getting much clearer on those things that matter to us. What, what's important around here? And being able to, you know, what I'm hearing and what you're saying is one of the things that's important from a career point of view is that learning by osmosis almost, being able to step into those conversations. Now, we might have taken those for granted when we were in the office. Um, and it's possible that when that happened was only maybe once a month um, rather than kind of all the time. And so it's now really important to be conscious about that and then how, how can we replicate or engineer those opportunities for that. So when we are gathering, when we are coming to the office, it might be a bit more structured rather than ad hoc but that's how we make sure we don't lose that element of mentoring, support, career, that we're allowing meetings, um, and some of those might be virtual, that aren't tactical, they're not necessarily about the tasks, but they are more um, learning or career orientated, or they're more culture orientated. So being much more uh, conscious and structured um, and making sure that we're getting those outcomes. And I'm not saying it needs to be formal, but um, so we can still very much have an, ad, a, you know, an informal, but the risk of saying, well, we'll get everyone back to the office because we don't want to miss out on that. It could be that we get everyone back to the office, but we're not having those conversations anyway, if we're not conscious about that that's something that matters to us and it matters to our people and our team. One of the... Um one of the disadvantages of continually to work from home or work from anywhere is to be invisible. Meaning that if I'm a, an up and coming employee with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of desire, the more that I'm at the office and the more that people see me and the leaders see me, the more I'll be, a leader will be thinking maybe, um, maybe Tony could do that. And, and so, I worry for that as well for people missing out on opportunities because they are becoming more and more in, invisible. So um, that's what these are the things that I that totally. I that I fear for people going. Oh, this is great for me to work from home. Yeah. But one of to me, Booktopia for over seventeen years, seventeen and a half years now, I've asked the same question every single day: What's best for our customer? And by answering that question. Um, we ended up being where we are today. And therefore, when when I um, think about people working from home and they want to work from home four days a week, one day at the office or Atlassian, come into the office three day, four days a year, it's like, is that what's best for our customer? So yeah. what is best for our customer? I know it might be best for you to work from home, but is that actually what's best for our customer? Are they being disadvantaged by people wanting to work from home? And as long as that is our guiding line in terms of whether we're on track or off track, I feel like we'll find that right spot. I think it's very healthy to be able to do some days from home. And, and there's a lot of work that can actually get done um, much faster without distractions. Um, please, I've got to be, don't put me back at work. There's just people interrupting me. Well, that is definitely best for our customer because they are actually more, more productive. But if they are now um, not achieving the, that efficiency and, and that, that productivity, then maybe people need to be their own judge of that. How, how does that feel when I say that to you? 
Yeah, I think um, often when we, and even almost in the past, when we talk about flexibility um, or autonomy might be another way. So how do I best work? And it's not me deciding whether I work or not. I'm still working, but how do I best work? Autonomy and delivering for the customer. Um, sometimes those conversations have been kind of almost mutually exclusive. It's either doing what's right for the business, the organisation, or what's right for the employee. The majority of employees understand that they that there needs to be a balance of both. And the fact that by virtue of having a job, it's my job to give value to the organisation. So having a guiding light or a principle around what's best for the customer is such a valuable part. Of it. it's, it's a cultural connection. It's such a valuable uh, North Star for people to, to step into these conversations. And uh, I think one of, the, one of the things I love hearing in, in the way you're asking the questions is almost coming from, it's, it's so important for leaders to be almost articulating, what are these fears? What are the concerns? What might happen? Because if we don't, then we don't have an opportunity to get into conversation with our team members uh, or as a CEO in your role, culturally, what are we going to do across the organisation? Um, and, and then go, well, what, what actually matters here? And so when we think about what's important for our customers and we think about whether you know, talked about coming in two days a week or four days a week working from home, I think it's also really important to think about it across a rhythm, even over a year. There might be times in the year where the most important thing for our customer is that we as a team are bonded and connected or, you know, it's just a, a peak season for us. And so we, it's all hands on deck. And for that month, everyone's in the office four days a week and one day from home. But then in a in the periods where it's much more consolidation uh, or it's administration and we can be checking in on tasks, then the flexibility might change around that as well. So it's a, it's a dynamic evolving conversation that requires leaders to really have that vulnerability to say, hey, I'm, I've, I've got a bit of a fear or concern about this. How is it going to work? And let's step into that critical conversation with our team because I think we can find a solution that we're holding both the organization and that works for you. Mm. Yep. I agree with that. Everyone, I'm talking to Alison Hill, the author of Work From Anywhere, The Essential Guide to Becoming a World-Class Hybrid Team. The co-author with her husband, Darren Hill, the book's been out from March 2021, published by Wiley. You can get it in any good bookstore. Um, or any bad bookstore, any bookstore, um, and online from Booktopia or Amazon or wherever, please make sure you go out and get their book because it's very, very relevant. And when I think about the relevancy, um, I, I always am interested by how many leadership books there are out there and how many leaders we have. It's, it's almost like there's one book for every leader. Um, and so there's a lot of leadership books. Do you, do you start, are you starting to see now a lot more of this kind of subject matter coming through? I mean, we love it, of course. The more, the more content, the better. People should write as many books as, as they can, but <laughs> this is the essential guide to becoming a world-class hybrid team. So is there much else out there when people want to try and uh, tap into this kind of new, new way of working and thinking? Look, I think you're right. It's a, it's a, 
there's a plethora of information out there and there's some fantastic leadership books and I agree with you I think there should be more and more because we're continuing to navigate new environments new pathways you mean when you say is there many out there when we were talking to Wiley our publisher because we we very quickly could see the changes to, for us to have this book published by March this year you can you can imagine how quickly we needed to pull it together um, and and to get it up on shelves based on the timeliness of it and so my understanding is it's the only book that has the word hybrid teams or was in March when it was published in the subtitle. Um, I think that will shift and change, uh, but it certainly was even, uh, you know, back in October when we were, we were looking at titles and subtitles, it was a bit of a wrestle with our publisher because when they did the research, they're going, but no one else is, is talking about this. So maybe it's not, um, you know, maybe it's not the right language or the right wording or what if it disappears uh, was, was, you know, very fair um, kind of point. But we could see and it was a conversation, particularly, you know, we were seeing Harvard Business Review articles and Forbes conversations, as well as the work that we were doing inside organisations, that hybrid is very much going to be at the forefront. How do we do it? What do we do? And not just the tactical, how do we get everyone a computer and make sure that they've got good internet? But uh, how do we have a sense that people still feel connected, that they're not going to go through and people will go through these waves of motivation um, because of the uncertainty, because of the shifts and changes where, you know, again, we're talking here in, in August in Australia and we're, we're going through a whole raft of new, I'm, I'm coming to you from lockdown, Sydney's got cases that is, is continuing to rise. And so the even though I can be really clear about my work and I feel safe at home, the overall sense of uncertainty and change um, and how do we navigate and how do we work around that, I think is new as well. So in terms of the conversations and the books that I'm really excited to see coming out in the next six months, I think there'll be more of these, absolutely. Um, from what I've seen and certainly the research that we did, there's not many that actually talk specifically around navigating hybrid teams at the moment. So I think there's more, more to be added to this conversation. Mm -hmm. Now I'm looking at your uh, table of contents and there's some interesting chapter headings here. The, the call to adventure, charting the course, slaying the beast. Um, this sounds more like Game of Thrones or, or, um, <laughs> or some sort of, um, um, some, some sort of trilogy on, on, uh, you know, finding a ring. Yes, like I said, we we borrowed the inspiration from Joseph Campbell's uh, kind of hero's journey. We felt like this was, um, and certainly, you know, going back to March of 2020, and I distinctly remember, you know, 15th of March, 16th of March and 17th of March, a lot of our work was very much face-to-face -face work going inside organisations and we had 95% of our revenue disappear in three days. And so we seismically needed to change not only how we worked, but obviously needed to support uh, people. And so at that time, but also not even for that time, I think the, the decision or even going what does hybrid mean to us? How are we going to do it outside of, of restrictions, outside of COVID-19, looking to the future of work? It is a call to to a new way of working. It is a call to step into the fear and the unknown. It is a call to do things differently, um, but also not want, not want to let go of the things that also really matter. The, the, 
foundation of our culture or the things that have made us successful up until now. And so we could see, and we wanted, um, I guess, the readers as they go through the book to almost feel like this kind of hero's journey. And in the middle of that hero's journey is, is the doubt and the fear. There are new skills. There's always a montage <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> there are new tools. There are you know, where we talk about slaying the beast is not quite, quite uh, um, Game of Thrones, but there are distinct challenges and there are people that will push back on uh, flexibility or coming into work. Um, there are the challenges around collaboration, around mental health support, around, as you mentioned before, about career progression that can happen through uh, that informal kind of mentoring or asking questions or just learning by being around energy and, and productivity. Um, and so in what can happen unless we actually face those dragons, we just go back to what we've always done. And so this opportunity to, to face and learn and what skills do I need to have and what tools do we need to, to have, you know, support us. Um, so it's certainly not to say that this new way of work comes with no challenges, with no uncertainty, um, but it's just possible where we've seen, you know, disengagement scores that Gallup's been, you know, looking at for the last 20 years continue to rise across industries and across countries around the world, maybe there are ways to look at engagement differently. Maybe there are ways that it's important to step into this. I can also see, and when we talked about some of those kind of the adventure that awaits, which is really, I guess, the final chapter, what, what's the new horizon? Where do we go from here? You know, the likes of a Brene Brown who's been talking about the value of vulnerability and, for, you know, her book Dare to Lead is just one of the, you know, when we talk about leadership books, it's it's probably the, the one I have recommended the most. It's the book that I've gifted the most to leaders that how do we step into our own uncertainty, our own vulnerability. And in order for teams to be great in a hybrid way, we need to have an emotional wisdom we need to understand what presses our buttons, what frustrates us, because we can't storm around the office and have someone say, hey, what's going on anymore? We need to have control over that ourselves or an awareness of that ourselves. So, um, yeah, so that's that's where those chapter headings came from, uh, that sense of really following that hero's journey, that it's a call to arms, that it's uncertain. We can go into that pit of despair. And I'm hoping people won't get halfway through the book and throw it out and going, bugger this <laughs> but stick with it and uh and really I guess that just hold that possibility of of what might be out the other side what's that next adventure that awaits is it one of those books where you know how you can sometimes grab a book and then you shut your eyes and then you go open it on a page and then that's the right message for the day or, or is it one of those ones where you you kind of really do need to start at the beginning and make your way through it to the end to, so you get the full journey you can open it on a page. Our business is called Pragmatic Thinking. So by nature, we are very practical uh, and very tactical. And so there are elements in there where we wanted leaders to be able to take, this is a tool, this is a conversation I can actually take with my team. We talk about a team identity charter, which is really just a, um, a template. And we, we've got it in the book where you can actually talk, take your 
team through, what's our identity now, particularly if we are a hybrid team? What value do we bring to the business? What do others value about us? When we're working well, what does that look like? When we're not working well, what does that look like? Um, so really tactical, practical. Uh, I would encourage leaders to go to the chapter that makes sense for you. If you're in the pit of despair, go to that. If you need, you, you know, there's some challenges that you're facing, then go, go to that as well. Mm. And so when you meet up with a client for the first time or you're working with a client what for for me and for and for um the people listening what are some of those key questions that you ask which no doubt will then probably be layered in the book so that people get a sense of kind of where you're coming from and what you might be able to unpack and 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 work with yeah, probably I would start with, and, and certainly we start even with the book, is do you believe that your team can do hybrid? Do you have a sense of belief that we we can figure this out, even if you're uncertain about how or where it's going to go from there? Um, because if fundamentally leaders, um, and certainly we often will work with more an executive team to start with, if support, if there's a sense of, I don't believe this is actually the best way to work, we've actually got to get everyone back into the office if that's not there, um, then it doesn't matter what policy or process or procedure we put into place, um, it can be shifted by that. So an opportunity to go, well, what <clears throat> do we believe that it's, it's at least worth stepping into the conversation. Um, probably 99% of the, the leaders that we've been working with, particularly over the last six months, say yes. Um, we can see that this is a new way of working. In fact, we can see the benefit from it. Um, one of the big advantages they're seeing is actually a war for talent. So we can now see that we can hire, recruit, support um, and have talent from anywhere where previously we might have geographically been looking at a particular location um, that now opens up exponentially who, who we can have come and work with us or we can be talking to. So a question around do we, do we believe it? Um, and then the second one is what, what are the new skills that our leaders will need in this environment? So rather than just taking what we've always done, so if we've had a team meeting in the meeting room at Tuesday at 9am, um, just then putting that into a Zoom, is that going to work? Do we now have a two hour Zoom meeting? Do we change it up? Do we have 10 minutes every morning? Um, and what skills do we need to have in order to be able to lead teams virtually? Uh, so they're probably the two fundamental ones is belief and then what are the skills um, or the gaps that we, we want to be looking at. And the big ones we've been hearing from leaders is how do, I, how do I both support my people as well as keep a conversation about performance? And again, that I'm doing both, both looking at their mental health. How are you going? How can I check in? How do people feel connected? as well as have that conversation around what needs to be delivered, how are we making sure, and I love your line around, what are we doing for the customer? Um, how are we keeping that front of mind in, in our conversation? So actually making sure that we're covering off both. There's a lot of things to, it's different when you're in lockdown, like people, mm -hmm. there's, there's forced flexibility and then there's a chosen flexibility and, and claimed flexibility. Uh, I can I can tell the difference there. What 
given that you guys are the, the gurus on on this subject matter and you're pragmatists, what where are you sitting now in terms of the right mix of working at the office and working from home? What does what does it intuitively feel right? Is it different for all organizations? It, like um, I know a company where their call center, it's they used to have a call center of hundreds of people. Now everyone works from home and mm. that's it. And they've saved on all the rent and everyone has a job and they're all located everywhere. They're, it's um, it's, a complete, it's completely different to us. But what, what do you feel is going to be end up being the norm or will it move around over the years? I think it uh, it very much depends on on industry. It depends on role that you have even in that industry. So uh, industry role and then individual. So if, again, you, when you go to individual, you've got some people that um, they they might be single, and so it's really important from a, a social perspective that they are kind of connecting um, in the office space. It might be a decision around the commute, those sorts of things. The research that we've done, so we. We um, have done a couple of surveys where we've actually asked people what's their preference and we've had over 300 responses from a whole range of different industries. Uh, I've also seen similar research um, come out of Harvard Business Review. The mix seems to be a 3-2 mix is the majority of preference. Some people, their preference is three days in the office, two days at home. And for some, it's three days at home, two days in the office. But that seems to be that kind of consistent uh, majority kind of sits in that three two, three two mix. So still having the, the opportunity to connect um, and again, I would definitely be encouraging people that for that time in the office, that we're utilising that in the best possible way, um, that that's where we're doing our collaboration, brainstorming, creativity, connections, going and having coffees and lunches together, um, that traditionally we might see that as not being work, but that's the investment in the relationships and the people. And we know that when trust is there, speak things happen really, really quickly. Um, and then when we are working from home, um, again, how are we making sure that we're connecting in, talking about productivity, um, but but also managing our energy so that we are delivering the best, mostly for the customer. That's what we're here, we're here to do. But we're seeing that three, two split being the, the majority of the preferences. Can I ask you then, because um, we're looking at um, Booktopia has grown and grown and grown, right? So our our office space, where at our headquarters, which is where our main distribution centre is, really not big enough anymore to have the size of the team that we have mm. um, who are work, working in the office. So we're looking at um, acquiring a, a bigger space, uh, not far away, dedicated purely for the office. The idea of having um, so many, so much of that space. Um, vacant for so long um, should we be considering that as an issue um, it just seems like it's very expensive do we need to have such a big space how how are companies and how will will people just show up to a desk which is just they just kind of plug in and away they go or do they need to have a, a dedicated spot because they can't just simply rock up and they need to have all their things around them so they can do their work they need files or they need you know it could there could be um, printouts of of previous um, calls or the invoices or what like how, how does that all kind of functionally work because we're grappling with that at the moment. 
Yeah, great question. I actually see this as kind of the next wave and certainly the next kind of conversation. There are some organisations um, that are shifting and investing in much more collaborative spaces. So they've almost got away with separate individual while coming into the office there is kind of a mix of um, that kind of lounge room area collaboration kind of spaces big whiteboards where you're gathering around whether it's kind of your agile project management um, and having conversations around those so some of that is is uh, just physically how are we redesigning the workspace and that obviously is dependent on industry depending on the types of teams that are coming in um, we are finding that organisations are asking their staff, what are you looking for when you come in? Um, how important is it for you to have a dedicated space with the things that you need um, in order to, to be productive, in order to feel like that you've, you've really contributed in a day? Um, so certainly that would be something I'd be encouraging um, and there might be a way to, to do that differently um, but also I mean I think you're kind of touching on you don't want a sense of you've lost an hour because I'm trying to figure out what desk am I going to and and it's taken me that long just to kind of set myself up um, that's downtime that's that's not going to be useful for the organization or for the individual so really looking at what um, we are you know hearing from when they're getting people together it's not necessarily even in an office space so it might be that once a year we are gathering people together um, but we are you know getting together at a um, going for experiences rather than coming coming into a particular office environment um, whether that's and I can kind of see in the next 12 months 18 months once lockdowns have lifted whether that's more um, all staff conferences um, or kind of leadership get togethers where we're, we're investing in that time and space as well. So it's a really important and it's a tough one because it's a financial decision um, as well as being a cultural and productivity decision. Are we paying rent on a, on a big space that, um, that's not being utilised and how do we want to best best utilise that space um, if we find that we want to get most people back. Uh, so we don't want to let it go if we then are, are grappling to try and find space for people as well. So I see this as being a really, um, there are you know, obviously organisations navigating that now outside of lockdowns, but it's going to be a really important kind of conversation and, and a cultural one that's, I think, quite dependent on the individual, the roles, the tasks. But also, I think that encouragement to, to invite people into that conversation is a really key one too. And, and forget about me, forget about Booktopia, forget about our shareholders and profit, which is what I think about when I think about renting a huge space and no one showing up or showing up 60% of the time. Uh, what... What about everyone working from home? Like, does a single person now need to get a two-bedroom apartment because they actually need an office as well as the rest of the, the room? Do the, does um, a couple with no kids need to get a three-bedroom apartment because they both need their own offices to be able to work from home? Do And so on and so forth. Like, and then what is in that office? And what does that work... What does that work environment look like? Are they 
only working from the dining table? Are they? Is their internet connection connection better? Like, what does what do organisations do, and what do the employees need to do to make sure that this is being uh, thought through, and not just, oh great, I can work from home. Well, that's a, that gives me the flexibility, but does it really give you maybe maybe you're hunched over, no one's looking at the ergonomics of mm. your chairs, all these things. What's going on in that in that space? Yeah, great question. Because even if you go back to say March of 2020, when you say we did it in 48 hours, uh, we did it, but we did it doing it on the dining table with bad ergonomics, right? Like we 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 did it because it was kind of survival and mission critical mode. Uh, now, kind of over 12 months on, the importance of crafting dedicated spaces, of talking OH&S from. Um, you know, even some of the conversations we're having with our team is what's the capacity to be able to do stand-up sit-down work, whether it's that kind of crafting a stand-up desk or uh, what does that look like as well. So absolutely, all of these are part of the conversation. How does it change our cities? How does it change how that kind of um, dynamic works? I'm here on the Gold Coast. Property market is going through the roof up here. We're seeing a huge amount of people from Melbourne and Sydney that are relocating to this area because they're now going, well, I, I literally can work from anywhere. And so, uh, you know, what a smaller apartment without an office space in a larger city, I can now get a bigger place with a dedicated office um, in a location that, that's different. So these are some of the considerations that, uh, that individuals are kind of having. Um, I personally think that you know, where we used to talk about kind of work, work was work and home was home and never the two kind of meet. I think it's, you know, part of all of that kind of conversation. I also think when we talked about kind of work from anywhere, it's not just thinking about working from home. So there will be some people, it is important to them that they're not feeling like that there's this blend into their home life, that there is a separation of space. And I think for me, that's a really important part of the conversation. Um, I, I was only talking to a client the other day and they were saying, I, I don't feel like I'm working at home. I feel like I'm sleeping at work. <laughs> so I feel like I'm always working, but I now just go and sleep <laughs> in the same location. So it is really important to get a delineation, a separation between when I'm clocked on and when I'm clocked off. And whether that's physically being able to shut down your computer, um, we've even had people from a, a, a physiological point of view literally go out their front door, walk down their driveway and come back in <laughs> as though they're returning from work. So to separate that out, it can be thinking about the utilisation of co-working spaces much more. We were seeing those um, increase even prior to COVID-19, but it might be that organisations are starting to take a couple of places at co-working spaces that might be close by or within uh, the suburb of where people are living but they are so they're not going to a headquarters as such but they are going to a place that has really dedicated fast internet speed has access to meeting rooms or phone call rooms has access to whiteboards um, printers all of those things that you might need but you're utilizing that in a way that's most productive for you or getting together in in those locations or spaces um, when cafes open up here I am on the Gold Coast in lockdown but when they open up using different cafes for different reasons even in writing this book a lot of this book was written at 
5 a.m. at a certain cafe <laughs> between 5 and 7 before the kids got up. And so, um, you know, when we think about work from anywhere, I think that architecture of what does that actually look like um, is, is really an opening of possibilities both for the employee uh, but also for the employer around what does that, what does that look like moving forward. Mm, amazing. So we're coming to the end of our time. I just wanted to check, is there anything about the book or about what you've written that you thought, oh, we should, I should really mention that or this would be a good one for people to hear? I think one of the key takeaways from the book that uh, leaders kind of come back to when they're stepping into this conversation about hybrid, what's going to work, what's going to work for us, uh, how do we make that work is starting with having a framework or a, or a true north helps with that. So really the framework we unpack is um, starting the conversation around performance, what needs to get done. The second tier of that is around culture. And then the third tier of that is around autonomy. And it's a really good framework to come back to. What's the task that need to get done? How do we connect and belong? Um, and how do people feel like they have an opportunity to kind of master or, or have a sense of autonomy in the way that they work um, and encourage people to kind of step into, into that conversation. Um, I also know that this is an evolving, so even having written the book last year, um, it's an evolving conversation. There is more to be added. There's probably a second book <laughs> sitting sitting behind it as well. So it's really just an invitation to step into the questions and to step into the uncertainty and uh, start to navigate well, what might be possible if we were to shift and change. It is starting to sound like a Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah? <laughs> Frodo will get the ring in the end. <laughs> That's right. What a quest. Yes. Um, and, and then before we finish up, um, Alison, is there anything that you want to ask of me being the CEO of a company that might trigger um, some, some thoughts and provoke some, some thinking for our listeners today? Oh, look, I've probably, uh, if I had a couple of more hours, I'd love to, to dive into much more conversations with you, Tony, and I've really appreciated the space and, and certainly what, what you've shared in terms of some of your thinking. I guess my question to you with that kind of true north of, of what's important um, to, our, to our customers, what do you see being the, the future of how teams can feel connected and, and what's important about kind of keeping culture front of mind, do you think in the next, even if we just look at the next six to 12 months for, for Booktopia? There's probably others in the organisation who are so probably so th thinking about this more than me, to be fair. But when you say teams, quite often what people do is they go great my team is the marketing team or my team is the merchandising or the customer service or finance to me it's more about when you were, use the word teams is actually that team and this team and how are they collaborating what do we have in place to ensure that 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 is going because they we're all connected we're all part of booktopia and therefore um just because my little group is and my little empire is going really well and we're doing accomplishing all of this if you mm. if you it's not if it's not um taking into consideration what others are doing i mean i i've heard of stories over the years and very big companies 
um, Amazon included of, of more recent where I've heard a similar, you have groups of people in the company, maybe in the same country or the same city or in another country around the world working on the same project, but no one even knows that they're actually doing the same thing because there's no register or collaboration or working out that. And so the company is spending the same amount of money to have two things created because you're just that big and unwieldy. And I, and I worry for that because that's one of the reasons why Booktopia has been successful. It's because of that, the synergies between each group uh, is, it's about making sure that that is still um, intact than ever before. So critical. I think what you've touched on is this kind of silo mentality that we just do my bit and I pass it on. Uh, whereas that ability to be able to see teams as all of us, or how do we how do we share information? How do we share ideas? How do we share what's worked? Uh, is going to be really important as well. Can I ask you one more question? Of course, we we can go as long as we want. <clears throat> um, what's one thing that you are uh, have been proud of the the Booktopia? Uh, team and I that's collectively the Booktopia organization what's one thing you've been proud of in how they've navigated the last 12 to 18 months gee there's so many things um it's um the I know that everyone's been productive that's the one thing that I can hand on heart say that everyone has been productive because the the leaders that are um that are have got their teams of people underneath them are checking in with the team they they know what they've got to do and getting the work done so it's not like um it's a netflix um, fest or anything like that it's it's like so they've definitely been productive and and i don't have to worry or think about that i just i that trust is there um however in the last little break um um lockdown here in sydney where um where a lot of people come from those lo local government areas where uh, there have been outbreaks it's there this particular delta strain has put much more of our team um, in close contact with with others so there's people that have had to be isolating and and uh, because of a family gathering or something and the way that the those that are um caring like a relative would care for a loved one from marketing and from finance and from merchandising and from um, from uh, IT guys, like everyone is just really focused on the people who are showing up at the, the distribution center and and their well-being. So it's it's if you think about pride, that that is tangible. That that feeling of of really um, emotional um, support and fear for their for their health and their well-being is is. Um, it's not like oh yeah, it's like when someone goes off to war and and you know that that team has gone in, into battle and everyone is just waiting for news that everything is okay. Um, it has that same element right now. It's extraordinary to to see that kind of banding together and mm. to know that that's the groundwork that we're supporting each other in terms of what's next is exciting. Yeah, and and also um, during the pandemic, we also listed on the ASX so. Um, that's odd too. And one of the reasons why we could is because e-commerce became front and center and there was a lot of appetite there for investors to invest. So we took the opportunity, but um, then again, including all of the pride and everyone's um, um, feeling like the little Aussie company that 
took on Amazon and and was able to to excel in the category that they were that they started in books. So it's that it's also those things that have kind of gone on over the last eighteen months as well. Hmm. Any more questions? You can have one more. One more. Um, and this one's going to be a bit more to you as a CEO. Um, so in amongst all of that, no doubt you um, hold that, you mentioned before, return for stakeholders, keeping our customers front of mind, all of that is really important. How do you manage your own energy uh, in amongst a changing world and a changing landscape? Do you have non-negotiables or things that are important for you to manage your own energy? I'm, I'm very high energy. Um, so... This morning I was um, up at six to feed the dog and go for a walk. And that was after finishing um, at midnight because um, the Olympics just went from one to the other to the it other. It was good last night. <laughs> I, was, I was from the pole vault to the basketball to the hockey roos, um, the kookaburras, uh, to then the women's uh, beach volleyball. Um, it was just like, so I'm, I'm actually pretty high energy all the time. The main thing for me, though, is that I'm very focused on the horizon point. So when you have a clear um, direction and and place where you're heading, um, you, it's you, I just get up and get going, and and that's that's there's a lot to be motivated about. I must admit, over the years, the more that I've surrounded myself by incredible, talented people, um, it gets easier because everyone feeds off each other's energy. It's like, oh, they're doing that, or oh, you know. I can't, you know, I can't slack off like the old, you know, when I was a youngster um, being a recruitment consultant and, and if I didn't want to work, I, 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 you know, I watch videos and, but when you're, when I think the more that you bind yourself with others and you're all in it together and you've, you're all motivated and inspired, um, it, it's just one of those things. It's, it's contagious and you, I shouldn't use the word contagious, but in this case, it's actually in a good way. <laughs> but, you know, there's no vaccine required. Um, it's um, therefore um, a lot of it comes. A lot of it comes from that. I, I that's how it feels for me. But mostly, I'm I've got a lot of energy. And yes, the Olympics was really good last night. Up <laughs> till midnight too, cheering the Aussies on. Yeah, crazy. Hey, um, Alison Hill, the author of, and I better go back because I'm just immersed in our conversation, Work From Anywhere, The Essential Guide to Becoming a World-Class Hybrid Team, published by Wiley, available in all bookstores. And congrats to you and your husband, Darren. Um, so impressive that you've you've focused on this. I think um, even though um, you wrote it last year and it was published in March of 2021, I think we're really only getting into the the, the thick of this now as people start to see a way, especially as we as we get vaccinated and countries can start to open up again, um, world-class hybrid teams uh, working from anywhere. That's our future. And congratulations. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Tony. It's been a delight. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget... You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at Booktopia.com. 
www.sbscoaching.com.au